Well, Jesus is fully alive. <laughs> An enthusiastic amen. Let's try it one more time just to make, just give everybody a shot. Uh, uh, Jesus is fully alive. There we go. <laughs> Jesus was fully dead. Uh, the soldiers who crucified him on Friday made sure of it. He was dead, dead. And now Jesus is alive. Uh, a couple of days later, uh, after that crucifixion and then the burial, on Sunday, the Spirit of God raised the Son of God to life. And 2,000 years ago, and now, right now, and for all eternity, Jesus is fully alive. Here's how Matthew describes that very first Sunday. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. There's a lot happening in these first couple of verses. Violent earthquake, uh, a lightning-like angel and a whole lot of fear. Guards so afraid that they shook and became like dead men, they totally passed out. They were absolutely gone. And Mary and Mary, they were afraid too. This is the next verse. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The angel gives them instructions to go back to Galilee. That's like Jesus's kind of hometown area. Galilee is like the headquarters for Jesus's public ministry. Tell the disciples, the angel says, tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. There you will see him. Can you imagine I don't know what that would have been like, but I'd have been totally freaked out. I'm sure I would have been afraid, just like these guys, angels and tombs, ro stones rolling and angels sitting on top. I would have just been totally blown away. Well, the women hurried away, verse eight. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. And then suddenly Jesus meets them. Greetings, he says. They came to him, they clasped his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there you will see me. I love this. They are afraid, yet they are filled with joy. And then they meet Jesus. Mary and Mary get to experience Jesus fully alive. They're still a little bit afraid. Uh, they're joy-filled. And they do the only thing that they know how to do. They fall down at his feet and grab him and worship him. And for the next 40 days... Jesus keeps showing up, fully alive. And he's gonna show up all over the place, always to believers. And each time he shows up, his followers are afraid. Um, but most of them do the only thing that they know how to do. They fall at his feet in worship. He shows up on a dusty road. He shows up in a prayer meeting. He shows up at a church potluck. He shows up grilling on the beach. At one time, he shows up. Over 500 people experience Jesus fully alive. His desire is to share his resurrected life and his resurrected love 
with those that he loves, instilling in them an even more unimaginable reality. Jesus is fully alive. The people that are witnessing all of this, experiencing Jesus fully alive, they do the same thing that Mary and Mary do. They don't know what else to do. They just fall on their faces and they worship. Hey, real quick, how about you? Fully alive? How about you, fully alive, kinda alive? Ah, used to be alive, man, I used to be so alive. It's kind of walking dead. Anybody here, fully alive. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Paul writes to the church, little church at Rome, he says, and if the spirit of Christ, who, if the spirit of Christ, who has raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. Because of the resurrection, you and I can live fully alive. Because of the resurrection, because of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, then you too who were once dead can be fully alive. The promise for you is abundant life and eternal life. Not someday, not one day, not kind of maybe sorta if it happens kind of day, but now, right now, right here, right now. Are you guys with me? Just checking. We are raised with Christ now. We are filled with the spirit of Christ now. We are motivated and can live into a new hope, a living hope now. We are living in an eternal reality right now. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer dead in our sin. We are raised with Christ. We are fully alive with Christ right now. Now, I don't know what it was like for you at 7.15 this morning, but at 7.15, we had this gathering outside and we did this same sermon. And when I got to this part in the sermon, the people at 7.15 erupted with joy. Wait, I'm fully alive? Yes, even now at 7.15 a.m. This truth is for you. So I tell you what, why don't you tell the person sitting next to you just to make sure everybody's getting this. Tell the person sitting next to you, you are fully alive right now. Go ahead, tell the person sitting that you are fully alive right now. Are fully alive right now. Oh, we got some cheers over here. Kinda, sorta, yeah, some cheers. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're not so sure, but I love that the person sitting next to you is sure for you. I think that's really, really awesome. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are fully alive right now. It's not a matter of whether that's true or not. It's a matter of whether you believe it's true or not. And it's a matter of not whether or not you wanna live into this truth or you just wanna go through another Easter, another season, another spring. I mean, I, I mean, maybe, maybe. Hey, come and see, come and see. One of the church fathers famously said, the glory of God is man fully alive. What does it mean to be fully alive? It starts with an invitation. We heard it at the tomb. The angel at the tomb says to Mary and Mary, he's not here, he's risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Hey, wherever you are, whoever you are, it's okay. Wherever you are right now, totally okay. 
totally okay. If you're like totally following Jesus and you love him, or you're not even sure, you don't know if any of this stuff, you don't even know if any of it, maybe someone dragged you here, totally okay. However you're here, we're so, so glad you're here. This invitation is for all of us. Come and see, come and see, come and see. Jesus uh, constantly used this invitation. It's popping up all over the gospels. And the invitation is for you. Come and see. And what would it look like to live your ordinary everyday life fully alive? What would it look like? What would it sound like? What would it not sound like? It would mean that you would be happy and healthy and wealthy and always get to be in charge of the remote. Right? Not so much. A few months ago, I got to be in Lexington, Kentucky and hang out with my old boss. Uh, her name was Ellen. She was my boss like 25 years ago. She was, she, she was amazing. I always used to kid her about how old she was. You know, when I would come into her office, I'd say, man, you are so old. And <laughs> Ellen and our family experienced some crazy joy together. And we experienced raw sorrow. And just getting the chance to sit at the table with her was so good for me. It was so powerful. And while we didn't use the term fully alive, we talked about living life to the full. And we talked about faith and hope and love. And we talked about betrayal and loss and grief and suffering. And I finally just decided to go for it. I said, man, now that you're older, Have you gotten this thing kind of figured out? And she interrupted me. No, 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 I don't. Bigger mess than I've ever been in in my life. And I said to her, like way back when, when we were having these conversations, didn't you think that life was supposed to be like, things were, we were supposed to be able, and she interrupted me again. Yep, yep, I did. I thought that, I thought that, yep, I thought that. And then we just sat together fully alive. When we live fully alive, we live in the real and sometimes painful awareness of all things, including the amazing things that happen in life and including the deepest and hardest places of brokenness in life. We live in the belief that God holds all mystery and all grace and all beauty we live in the day that one day, one day, God will make all things new. What would it look like to live our ordinary, everyday lives fully alive? Our lives would look a lot like Jesus. Our lives would love a lot like Jesus. When Jesus was preaching and when he was teaching, he made it really clear for the disciples what it looked like, what it sounded like to live fully alive. They didn't totally get it until after his resurrection. Like they couldn't get their heads and hearts around it all the way, but he basically just gives them two jobs in one prayer. Jesus puts it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, two jobs, love God and love people. 
And then he taught them this little prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. After the resurrection, this little band of Jesus followers immersed themselves in their two jobs and one prayer. Love God and love others. They began to actually lay down their lives for one another. They gave so sacrificially and so generously, not withholding anything from anyone at any time. They organized their lives in such a way that they spent meaningful time with other believers. They made church their primary priority, even when, and especially when, it was difficult. And that little prayer, that little prayer gave context to how these guys would love God and love others. Our father, he's not just my father, he is my father, but he's not just my father. He's our father, our father. And he's holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Life and love became no longer about their will, about their way, about their kingdom. They were invited to come and see and come and live into this expansive upside down kingdom. A kingdom that has no limits, no boundaries, and is available to anyone, is available to everyone. A kingdom that overlaps between heaven and earth. And they began to embrace the livable reality of living on earth as it is in heaven, forgiving one another, resisting temptation, and living into obedience, and inviting others into their own brokenness. Fully alive. Two jobs, one prayer. At our house, uh, last few years, we've been talking about living this way. A while ago, we had some, a dinner with some friends. We're sitting around our kitchen table and we were talking about this. And I was kind of, you know, going through it. Christy was talking about, it. we had this really cool conversation with this, these couple friends. And they were like, well, what does it actually look like to live on earth, you know, as it is in heaven? And I was like, I don't know, like in this kitchen, what would it look like to live in this kitchen as, as in heaven? And in this, around this kitchen table, like the way we relate to each other, what would that really look like or sound like? They're like, I don't know. That would just, like, like, could we actually do that here and now? Like at this, around this kitchen table as in heaven? I was like, yes, yes, this is, this is the invitation. What it would look like, I'm not really sure. And then I kind of just said, you know, in this home, like in heaven, in this marriage, like in heaven, in this, as a parent, you know, kind of went on through some things and, it was super cool. And then this couple left. And then a couple weeks later, they came into church. These friends came into church and they brought me this, like, they brought me this piece of art. Uh, it sits in our kitchen, uh, it sits in our kitchen window there behind our kitchen table. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it says, in this home, as it is in heaven. I love that. In this home, as it is in heaven. And then they handed us an envelope and inside it was $10,000. Just kidding, that's a joke. It wasn't actually 10,000. 
just making sure you're awake. It's my one Easter joke. Glad you're with me. Thank you for being We've probably failed more times than not. But as we're growing, we're also understanding this incredible, indescribable gift of grace. The power of starting afresh, living one day at a time, just one day at a time. A couple things that we've been discovering as we've been living into this two jobs and one prayer kind of way of living and loving your opinions, your preferences, your traditions, all really important, super important. But to live fully alive, those don't count. Love God, love people. Two jobs, one prayer. I'm just gonna say it one more time just to make sure. Your opinions about who you get to love and who you choose don't count. Your preferences, like when and where and how, not so much. You've been given, I've been given two jobs, one prayer. Love God, love people, period. Your name, your kingdom, your will, your way, your love. One more uh, picture of what it might look like to live fully alive. I came into my office the other day and there was this card on my desk and I read it and I was just so moved by it. I kind of held on to it for the last few days. I'm walking around with it a little bit. I just thought I'd read it to you. Today. If you told me a year ago that I'd find the most peace sitting in an empty church auditorium with the cross in front of me, I'd say you were crazy. Uh, but today it's what I look forward to most just me and Jesus in the most sacred place that once terrified me. These chairs are often filled with broken people hiding behind thick masks. It used to be the reason I didn't like church. If others kept on their masks, then I have to too. And if I'm gonna be masked, what's the point in coming? I'm grateful now that I have experienced the other side of church. The side that cries together and prays for one another and has joined me in some of my darkest, scariest places. It is a type of holy that I never knew existed and never thought possible. Words cannot express how grateful I am. This church, these people, far from perfect but still the most love I've ever seen. I learn best by example. I receive best by actions and being loved by this community like Jesus has healed and taught me so much. One person, two jobs, one prayer. We have the table set up here for you, for us. It's been prepared for you. It's a table that's been set to not just help us remember what Jesus said about love, but, re, but be reminded of how Jesus demonstrated his love for his father and for others. Just before his crucifixion, 
Jesus invited his friends to come to the table. Hey, come and see, come and see. He told them about loving God and it would require surrender and it would require obedience. He showed them what it looked like to love others, humility and honesty. And he may have said something like this, friends, I'm gonna lay my life down for you so that you can live fully alive. My body is gonna be broken so that you can be whole. Remember my words, remember my touch, they are expressions of my love. And he took the bread and he broke it and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same thing with the cup. He said, friends, there is a pouring out that will happen, a pouring out so that you can be filled full. There is a shedding of blood that will make you free to live abundantly and eternally. He held up the cup and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Two jobs, one prayer. In just a moment, for those who have believed and received, I wanna invite you to participate in communion. There'll be some folks in the corners and a couple of us up here. I'd like you to participate when you're ready. But just a couple words. We don't just remember the act. We don't just remember the sacrifice. We re-enter into it. We become partakers of the celebration of the act. This symbolic becomes our reality. Like, yes, we're reminded, yes, again, yes. And it's not a solitary act. It's actually a very communal act. Our one prayer says, it's you and me, it's we, it's us, it's ours. And at this table, we're not alone. We're united with Christ and with each other. Coming to this table is just a little bit of a taste of what we will experience one day at his heavenly table. It's a foretaste of glory divine, living fully alive. Two jobs, one prayer. Come and see. Come and see. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for making us fully alive right here, right now. Open our eyes, open our ears. Open our hearts to fully believe and receive. And would you give us the courage to take off our masks so that we can truly come and see. And those two jobs, Spirit, that you've given us, empower us, strengthen us, give us boldness and courage to love. May this prayer that you've given us, Jesus, may it be so in us today. For your glory, Father, and for our sakes, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.